a very wonderful uh, woman that I worked with out here uh, passed away after a 14-month battle with cancer. Uh, 12, of, 12 of those months were probably like they were just a straight-up gift. I remember when we, when we found out that she had cancer, it was like she had weeks to live pretty pretty much. Yeah. And um, it was incredible that you know she got as long as she, as, as she had. She... Uh, just one of the, I, you ever just like I'm gonna work with a person and you're like oh I like you you're good and just like really adds light to any project that y- you work on or anything that you know like she just had such a great faith yeah and she really wanted she, she her background was in branding and in design and and and, and in marketing and uh, uh, you know she was an early fan of the podcast although I don't know if she was quite her thing but she just was such a great person and so. Uh, she passed away on Saturday, and there was just, um, yeah, it's just tough, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just tough. Like, you know, thanks. Yeah, like, I mean, again, like, she's just a coworker. I'm sorry, it sounds bad. Like, it's so much harder for her family and for her close friends, but she's someone that everyone that worked with her, we were, we, uh, like, she was, she was uh, deeply loved. So it's a true loss. So that was tough. And that was uh, your your Friday. That was on Saturday. So basically, uh, me and Aaron are about to go to a thing, and I'm like on my phone, just checking the like oh like Facebook, and I start to see her name pop up in a lot of like art. And I was like, "What happened to Mimi? Oh crap!" And I just started going, "Oh f o f o f," like because I just as soon as I saw her name, I was like, "Something happened. Um, something happened uh, to Mimi." And uh, you know, last I last I'd seen, she was in. She was doing okay. She'd gone on the vacation. I saw her about maybe four or five months ago. Uh, maybe a little. We all we all like met up at, at a bar, and she seemed to be doing really well. You know, yeah. didn't have tons of that energy, but she was like, "I'm like I could live for like a while now." Like, I mean, it definitely like you didn't really know for sure because again, she basically went from you have a couple of weeks to let's try some ex- experimental stuff and it was okay like you're always going to have to be getting intense treatment but you might be able to like I'm gonna live for a bit to you know then she just got she went on a vacation with her family she has uh, two sons uh, I believe and been married to her husband for about 28 years and uh when she got back from from vacation things she went to the hospital things got pretty bad and then she went to hospice and died shortly after that oh man so that's right yeah just yeah, it's just I, I just can't. It's one of those things where I can't really believe it because in a weird way we already kind of like mourned her loss because for like a, a few things that I really can't quite get into, but uh, it just it really like rocked our world and and just a in a lot of different ways yeah. things we were uh, pumped to be able to do and just all of a sudden just were just it was it was it was all over with. Yeah. You know, and then we just didn't really see her as much because, again, I, I knew her through work. I, I would say we were like we were all like friends, you know, like she uh, just I don't know, really just like any time that I worked with her, uh, I just loved it. I just loved doing branding stuff with her. It just really like she just pushed back on so many things in a good way. And I just like I loved it, <laughs> loved it. That's awesome. Like anytime we try to explain to her like what like um, discipleship is or, 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 or things, she would just go, I don't get it. <laughs> and like she understood it, but she was like, you, you, "You guys have to understand, like, you're in ministry. The rest of the world doesn't understand what you're doing. You have to explain this better." Yeah, you know, and just like um, things like that. Where I was like, "Oh, that's, you're so good." Um, so yeah, so that was definitely the hardest part. Um, <laughs> and then our government decided to uh, kidnap kids, so that was great. Uh, Found out about that. Yay. Uh, I'm in between. Wait. In between? Yeah, man. So as our listeners know, I do not follow the news. You also know I do not give a crap about Donald Trump. I am not a card-carrying Trumpkin. But I, so I have taken upon myself to properly investigate. And by investigate, I don't mean uh, watch the news. Because we know that there is an obvious bias against Trump. There's a hatred of Trump out and out in the news. So what I did was talk to actual people who actually work with these children directly. I talked with military people. I talked with healthcare and child care workers 
whose motto is the child first and the child safety above all, right? That's what they do. And it is, and this one person who I would love to get in this a lot more said, okay, so the military individual said, and I'm just going to, we're, I feel like we're going to go into this with Greg, but uh, if we have him on the show, but buddy of mine said it was the most disgusting thing he's ever seen. He would call it a concentration camp. He went there to help translate uh, into Spanish for a Catholic priest to celebrate mass. They were told they were never allowed to talk about the moral implications of their faith. They were never allowed to talk about immigration from a Catholic perspective. None of that. They could only do the religious service and leave the building. And uh, it, it was crazy. And so he's there translating the homily, and this individual pushed all the pushed back against all the rules. And he said that there were external workers, contract workers from like some faith-based group, and there was some weirdo paramilitary group, and there was Department of like Homeland with weapons and stuff. These kids were definitely in a prison. He called it a camp. It was an army barracks turned into like a detention center. And he said it was horrific. Siblings were intentionally divided from other siblings. Ugh. And he said, and they, they're like, I saw my brother at across the, you know, chow hall, basically. And but I but he was leaving when I was coming in. I hope he's okay. And they that was during their prayer intentions during mass, right? Oh my gosh. Horrific. He said he's tried to put it out of his mind. It's destroyed him. Uh, all this stuff. And it, it has it has he can barely function. That was 2014, during Obama, okay? This is not a Trump thing. And so then I call another friend who is, who is a therapist and works with these people. And she said, all the stuff you're seeing on the news of kids with mattresses on the floor and um, they're sleeping with those space blankets, you know, those foil blankets, she said, mm-hmm. that exists, it's real, and that exists for no more than 72 hours, because it's, it's a law, it's called like the Flores Amendment or something, where they have to be then put in a shelter. And she said, but literally, there aren't enough shelters in America. Because they have to get, they get all their health care taken care of uh, immediately. So when the kids arrive, they, all their personal belongings are c- categorized, they're given clean clothes. Because some of these kids have walked from Brazil. Some of these kids have walked from Honduras, from Guatemala, Nicaragua, all these places, right? So, and across the board, and some of these parents will take their four-year-old kid and put them on a truck and pay a coyote $3,000 to get them over into the States. And they'll, they know that they'll probably never see their kid again. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So it's just like, it's are they hoping they'll just be picked up and adopted? Extreme desperation, whatever, whatever. But here's the deal. About 15% of these kids are being sexually trafficked. And even more so, uh, trafficked for illegal labor. And so what's happening is, so if you come over here as a kid, legally, you can't, um, so if you, if, if you cross the border, it's a misdemeanor, and you're sent over the border if you're an adult. But if you come over as a kid, you can't show willful, uh, willfully breaking the law because you might have been forced over. So you can't have that brought against you. you gotta, in the court, you have to prove that they did it willfully. And if a kid is here on their own, they could be trafficked, they could be forced here, they could be escaping something. So you're not, the kid is not going to get deported. Well, once he doesn't get deported, he has access to the country. So cartels know this. Cartels, like people, when I did my prison training, they said the number one thing you need to know is that the prisoners know the life and law and rules and regulations better than you do. They have 24 hours a day to go over them. They think about this stuff all the time. You're here out of love. They're using your, their mind. So you need to be careful. Well, the cartels know the law. The cartels send 14-year-olds over here and 16-year-olds over here and 17-year-olds over here knowing that they're not going to go to jail, that they're going to go to a holding facility, then to a shelter, and their job is to recruit the kids at the shelter or if they get out of the shelter to have a sponsor. So these people that she was telling me as a healthcare worker, she has to screen the kids. She says that the kids will literally, she'll screen like, you know, 40 kids, her and her staff, in a day. And they'll all have the exact same story. Why? Because that's what the cartels are teaching them to say. So literally, she says, you can track the flux of these stories as they come in. You know, you'll get 50 kids out of 200 who will say, uh, I'm seeing things. I'm hearing things that aren't there. 
thinking that psychological reasons will get them some sort of asylum or something. And she's telling me, she's like, literally, there is no place to put them. Now, the interesting thing, Luke, that she said that really changed my, uh, that like really threw me for a loop. She said, uh, illegal immigration of children happens at about 50 kids per day, but only during the warm and cool times when it's really hot or really cold, summer and winter. Kids don't come. She's like, it's like five a day. And that's totally manageable. She said, except in 2014. In 2014, 500 kids came a day, every day, every day of the year. So the U.S. system is set up to hold 7,000 kids a year. And in one year, 60,000 kids crossed the border without, you know, their parents or whatever. So then you say, what do you do with this situation? Well, you know what Obama did? He went to the forts and set up temporary shelters, and they were only supposed to be there for a maximum of two weeks. Some people, they were there for six weeks. For my buddy, they were there for six weeks. On the seventh week, they were shipped out. And so you have these deplorable conditions under Obama. It's a thousand times better under Trump, but it's not because of Trump. It's because the flow, the influx of kids is more manageable now. But she said, but then, yeah, go. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 you go. You, no, 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 so, like, I talked to much. Much different thoughts. Okay, so, uh, okay. As with a lot of things we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about here tonight, we really, I'm not going to respond to, like, I'm not going to respond to heated responses from this from any of our listeners. So I'm going to throw that there right now. Like, if you're going to come at us about this with heavy stuff, I truly don't want to hear it. Um, I, I, am, I am emotionally exhausted. I'm just not in- interested. <laughs> um. So, okay, now that that's out of the way, um, sorry, that's a little harsh for, for some of our listeners. I apologize, but I just had to get that out of, out, out of my system. No, like, listen, I mean, like, you're listening to us on a podcast and you have a million things that you want to say. That's great. That's great. Write about it in a blog post and send us the link. You don't have to um, tell us that we're a bunch of idiots because you watched a bunch of Fox News or MSNBC or you follow Shane Claiborne, who's going there to the facility right now. I follow all those people, right? I listen to all those people. Right now, I'm, like, trying to get my bearings. And I'm like, I bet you I know people who are involved. And right now, I know another person who's involved through the U.S. government. And he's saying, and he's he's literally in there with the kids. And he's saying this not to news media, not to, not, he's not broadcasting anything, I don't think he voted for Trump, but I don't know. But he's saying this to individuals that I'm trying not to give anyone. And he's saying it's not nearly what people are making out to be in any way. She's like, yeah, there are mattresses on the floor and, and uh, space blankets. She said, because there's literally no beds in the shelters that are built to take these people. She said, I run all of the volunteer or all of the, uh, she's like, I oversee the whole shelter area. I oversee it all. I, I'm, I'm with all the kids. She said, we have kids who come to our thing who have their entire lives changed, right, who are gang members and have left it, who were just put on an, an, air, like an airplane and sent to the United States without their parents and just done. And she said, and we've worked, worked with these people. The One girl's playing basketball in college. She calls like every month just to check in with them and let them know how well she's doing, even though she hasn't been in the shelter for years. Mm-hmm. This this woman is not some ignorant chip on her shoulder partisan person. She said the job she has, she's required to be nonpartisan because it's a government job, blah, blah, blah. So this is very fascinating stuff. She said, I don't blame Obama for the way, way it happened. She said there's no money for any of this stuff. And there has never been enough, not there's no money, but there's never been enough money uh, to kind of deal with this stuff. And a couple of the points that I just wanted to say, and then I'll, I'll let you, um, I'll let you kind of go off. Um, uh, legally, immigration, right, the policies that determine uh, various aspects of illegal, legal immigration, how to deal with them and whatnot, overwhelmingly, all of that is governed by administrative policy from the executive branch and not Congress. So Congress does set some federal laws and guidelines, but the executive can change policy at will, which I think, I think Trump did today. But um, and without Congress being needed. So, like, for instance, if you catch um, if you catch. Uh, so anywho, so if, if you have a whole bunch of immigrants and you have nowhere to put them, the policy shifts to we'll just deport them all. And that's what that's in a large way. That's what you're seeing. But you're also seeing a bunch of parents and fake parents 
trafficking children, and they have to be separated from the kids. So now I'm not I'm not talking about the horror stories where a woman had was breastfeeding her baby, and they the Honduran mother had her child. Catholic News shared that news. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, had her breastfeeding child ripped from her, and she hasn't seen her baby since. And that was like two months ago. I'm not talking about those cases. Those are the extreme minority from what people on the inside are telling me. And these are not people who are Trumpkins. These are not people with an ideological axe to grind. These are people who, and the other guy who called it a concentration camp back in 2014, all this stuff, he admits that all those kids were gone after six weeks. They were gone after six weeks. And the reason being this totally different person who didn't know this guy, is two separate phone calls that I had, she was like, yeah, you know, it, it took, they were not supposed to be there for more than two weeks. And I said, well, this guy said they were there for six weeks. And she said, well, that's just a failure. It's just a failure of the system. She said, when Hurricane, when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, where did they put people? A mattress, blow up mattresses on the floor in freaking stadiums. And she's like, right, you put them anywhere you can. And that's what happened. And people fell through the cracks. And now they say, oh, there's 1,500 kids missing. She goes, they're not missing. We have these checklist procedures that we follow. Call them up. You call them once a month. If they don't answer their phone for whatever reason, the phone of the sponsor, you mark them as, as non-responsive or whatever the, the phrase is, not missing. She said, because I go on Facebook, you could Google the kid's Facebook name, and you'll find that they're active on Facebook and Yelp and Google. <laughs> like, they're all over the place. It's just not an official channel. And she's like, and they're good. A lot of them have moved in with, like, boyfriends or girlfriends, uh, you know, and they're late. Now they're, like, 18, 19 some of them are living the gang lifestyle, street gangs. Some of them are a part of international gangs, cartels. She's like, it's all different. And you, can, you try to save as many as you can, but she's like, it's crazy. And she goes, imagine what happens when their sponsor is their quote-unquote uncle. She said, we have to get a hold of the consulates of all these countries mm-hmm. and verify through birth records that that is their uncle. And she said, you have no idea how many thousands are not relatives it's a lie and they're sex traffickers so we just saved that kid from sex trafficking by putting him for 72 hours in a shelter and you're calling the united states government monsters she said but there is no third place there's the facilities where they're processed then there's our shelters and then we send them to the home of a parent a sibling another relative right there's like four different categories so yeah what Okay, sorry, I didn't want to inter- I, I don't want to interrupt you, but while this is on my mind, I, I wanted to bring this up. So, okay, so all this comes about because on, and I, I have to, I have to admit, I spent half of my uh, weekend at a youth conference that what I, I talked about before last last week. I spent half my time there, just kind of hanging out and doing ministry and just kind of being available. So I missed a lot of this stuff, but this, uh, as briefly as you can. Why did this become a big deal? What happened that this became part of the national conversation? Like recently? Yes, as in like Friday. Like whatever happened with Jeff Sessions. Oh, yeah, Jeff Sessions. He literally made the dumbest statement. I mean, because I want to make sure that like we're painting a correct – like we're, we're painting as close to a picture of reality as we can. So we're not just like – you know, just doing sound bites all over the place. Yeah. So Jeff Sessions basically said um, that people are that this the type of treatment that the kids have been going through has been going on for years, and they need to obey the law. and And then he quoted Romans thirteen that laws ordained by God for the good of the people, right? So, mm-hmm. or the civil authorities, you ought to obey them. And so, a whole bunch of people lost their damn mind, saying you're using God to back up your immigration policy, which is crazy. I mean, most people do not know that there is a absolute humanitarian crisis on the border. Like Mm -hmm. people think it's um, desperate people, families sneaking over the border to get better work. Now it used to be illegal immigration. A lot of um, how illegal immigration happened in the United States back in the day was it was seasonal. Men would cross the border, pick our fruit, right? And then, uh, you know, and do stuff like that, seasonal jobs. And then they would send their money back home while they were working here. And then after four or five months, they would go back home. But then as the laws and stuff with immigration changed and more federal um, kind of intervention happened with immigration, it became harder for the men to leave once they got here 
So basically it shifted to men coming seasonally and then leaving to men bringing their whole families. And then when every time you start to clamp down on immigration, what happens is because of the notion of children, cartels, coyotes. So the coyotes are the people that help transport them illegally across the border. Coyotes will say, if you walk over with a kid, they won't send you back. And so that's a lot of the stuff that's happening right now. If you a lot of adult, but that's not it. Right. That's not only it. You're getting people who you're getting law enforcement who are dealing with ultra violence with drug cartels. And I don't think and people do not realize this. The drug yeah, cartels, how bad it is. It's, the drug yeah. cartels in Mexico make the Italian mafia look like babies. I've heard it compared to the uh, to the war in Af in Afghanistan. Well, that it's like comparable to that in terms of like it's it's almost violence and destructiveness. And uh, I think it's MI thirteen which is a, a El Salvadorian gang born out of the El Salvadorian Civil War, they sent their men who are in the country, right, when they're in the gang, gang-affiliated El Salvadorians in America, sent them to uh, join the military so that they would have military training when they came home. So in Iraq and Iran, there's or Iraq and uh, Afghanistan, there are all these photos on U.S. bases with MI-13 tags spray-painted. On all over the place, on base, off the base. You're like, what the hell is it? Why are why is there a street gang here? They ain't street gang. They're an international business, my friend, and their business is murder. And so when you have that notion of it's like uh, it's like that. It's because some of them are actually trained there. But the reality is, so this um, this one woman, a service a social service worker, was telling me that this one little girl watched. Okay, prepare yourself, Luke watched a gang, a cartel um, assassin, fillet her little brother's skin off of his face and peel his face off while he was alive. And she watched it right in front of her. And then they cut him up into little pieces. And she saw the whole thing. And she came to America on foot. I said, what the hell's happened to this little girl? And she said, you have no idea how resilient these kids are and she said she wouldn't tell me any more about her but i'm like this is horrific and she said some of them are are actual full-fledged cartel members who are murderers and assassins and they're 16 years old and she was telling me about this one boy who killed i I will say it doesn't sound believable the actual number so i'm gonna give a different number and say 50 five zero not 15 is responsible for five zero murders by the time he was like 16 and sent over to the United States. Hmm. And, and the five zero number is low. I'm just saying that because I hope no one listening can track who I'm talking about because I asked for anonymity. So it's actually a lot more than 50. A lot more. Now, I said, did this guy personally kill them? And she said, I, I mean, I don't know. But he claimed multiple and, and, and corroborated multiple accounts of, you know, a lot of people dying. And so she said, what do you do with someone like that? Do you put them with the rest of the 5 to 18-year-olds? Do you put them with the men? Do you put them in jail? They didn't commit the crime over here. You can't prove that they did it. Mm-hmm. But they're going around talking about it, and they're committing acts of violence against other kids. So, okay, so just kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, like this all comes about because of a comment that that uh, Jeff Sessions brings brings up. And one of the things that he talked about was, and again, I've been gone, so I've been trying to piece this all together while a lot of other things have been going on. Part of the policy of the Trump ad of 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 our government is to split the kids from their supposed like parents or their like families as a punishment for having to. It's supposed to deter them from coming over because they'll split them up when they when they get here which i would say is like like just evil um is that part of it true did you hear anything about that of that like like part of like like this like that 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 this own policy exists more to just say hey we're gonna like split you up because you broke the law as opposed to your protection having like sort these kids blah 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 i don't doubt that that is I, I think what's happened is you have a couple things. 
You have the tone of Trump, which has been very anti-immigrant, right? Anti-Mexican. A lot of people have felt that, right? Even the former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox, did a Funny or Die video. You remember that? No. but You remember, you know, Funny or Die, Will Ferrell's thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he just basically told President Trump to F off and, like, all these things. It was crazy about building the wall and all this stuff. Um, and so you have, you have the Trump inspired anti-immigrant thing. Now I thought this was a lie. I thought that, or I, not a lie. I definitely know that there are a lot of people that think immigrants are ruining their country. You got that Tucker guy in Fox news who used to be on CNN and was fired after John Stewart came on his show, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. But, um, the Tucker guy, he constantly, his main thing, uh, is immigrants that they're ruining the country, right? That, that is a, 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 a theme of his that he constantly comes back to. Even though immigrants are, by and large, uh, illegal immigrants, well, I'm just talking about the undocumented people, people come over illegally, are least likely to commit crimes and are more likely to have crimes committed against them. For instance, in the city of Tulsa, 75% of all robbery victims in the city of Tulsa are of undocumented workers. And they're done mostly by black and white gang members Mm -hmm. who are U.S. citizens, right? So the victims, 75% are illegal, right? And I said, how many are, are the victimizers? He said, I've yet to see one. He said they don't exist because they're terrified. They're too terrified. So these people don't go to the cops. It's just if it gets found out in a third way, like someone else reported the crime or whatever. He yeah, said the yeah. vast majority of crimes committed by illegal, um, especially Mexicans, right, that are here. What do you think that crime is on top of entering illegally? Uh, I don't know. Stealing food, drunk driving, oh, drunk driving. Okay. They get their they sense. get their payday. They get their two week payday, cash their check or whatever, and they go buy their Tecate beer, mm-hmm. and then they they drink and then they go drive you know somewhere and they get pulled over for swerving or whatever and they get busted. And mm-hmm. so that is he said he said in the in the city of Tulsa that is the overwhelming overwhelming majority he said he hasn't he has never he hasn't even seen one where an illegal immigrant robbed someone else right but there is an anti-mexican anti-immigrant fear that i think trump brought on with or or maybe not that trump brought on but he brought out right yeah he is i I think it's like he's both he caused it and he's the result of it and you saw all those things that i didn't believe when Trump became president, I thought people were literally making it up. And you found out that some people were making it up, like Mexicans go home, spray painted at like a university wall. And then you found mm-hmm. out that people were doing it as a performance. Uh, what do you call it? The performance art mocking Trump. But they were writing all this stuff. And it's like, wait, what? All these people in the news media picked it up as. And, and this is one of the things, the fake news that I was like, this is such bullshit, fake news. You just don't like it because they're reporting on you. And then you find out that these people are like, oh, no, we're performance artists. And you're like, son of a. But um. But the really so yesterday or a couple days ago, I was in the Apple Store in the mall, and we're waiting, and I'm waiting away. Have you been in an Apple Store lately at a Genius Bar? No, you didn't get your fancy iPhone X via going at to the, the store? store. Yeah, uh, no, I got it at the Verizon store, like a gentleman. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting and I'm waiting for like 20 minutes for help. There's a man standing there, and all he's doing is staring at everyone in the store, and he's getting more and more angry because he's waiting. And then I hear under his breath, he says to his wife, you know, in Europe, they have a problem with all these people from other countries and not assimilating. And he just is staring at all these people who are not white in the store. And he goes, we have the same problem here. And I can't even get help. And I just, and I like lean over and I'm like, what the hell is he saying? And this guy was literally like, xenophobia right there and i look around the store every person in that store was a freaking if they were white or black or there was an indian dude that was the only guy in line and he was dressed like the whitest man you've ever met he had an oxford button-up shirt khakis with a crease in it i think he was wearing sandals with socks the guy practically could have been german a german businessman on his day off or something <laughs> like like and, and i was like what who is not a similar now granted it's an apple store so they're all a bunch of freaks and weirdos who work there you know like every color under the sun in your hair and you know 50 different piercings in their cartilage 
which is not the way a lady should pierce their ear. Just kidding. But um, but he said that, and I was like, this guy is just, he's, he's just angry that it's taking a long time, and he's blaming immigrants. <laughs> like, he's blaming immigrants for his long wait time. And I was like, holy shit, people like you do exist. This is fascinating. I did not know normal, rational people thought like that. So, I don't know if they're rational. But normal, I, didn't know a, I didn't know humans thought like that. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know yeah. humans thought like that. But uh, backing it up, backing it up. I think that that the the kind of the the Trump language, most importantly during the campaign and surrounding the wall. Um, I mean, people forget Barack Obama uh, deported more um, Central and South Americans than any other president in the history of the United States of America. More than Bush, more than Clinton, and Clinton deported more than Bush. Okay, now until 2008, we had a strong economy. It wasn't like we had a bad economy, right? So people were coming here because of employment and, you know, food in your bellies. Even, even the poorest live better than the poorest in other parts of the world. So, so there is a, a, broader, a broader context. Now, the, uh, the other thing that you have is this anti-immigrant sentiment that it's like, well, they get housing and they get health care and I got to pay for my health care. Cost me an arm and a leg and they get it for free. And let me tell you, for a lot of that, it's 100% true. The social service worker was like, these kids stay in a house that's nicer than my house, and I spend more time with these kids than I do my own kids. She said, and it's not fair to my family or my kids, but it's also not fair to these kids to be put in this situation. She said, she'll talk to those kids, and she'll be like, why are you here? And they'll be like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to come to the United States of America. I had friends and, and family back home. And one day my dad literally woke me up and said, we're going to the United States. you got to go. Ugh. And they're like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Here's one thing I, I want to say, and I want you to give me your feedback. Uh, at my parish, we painted all the, um, you know, the red curbs for emergency personnel. Oh, yeah. 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 So we yep. painted the curbs red and repainted, you know, big bright letters, do not park. Uh, because we've had a parking problem for, for years. We've had too many cars and on enough parking. So people parked everywhere. An ambulance tried to help a man who had a heart attack during mass and couldn't get out of the out of the church parking lot. Right, so it's scary stuff like that. Well, we told the police officer, police officer said, listen, it's private property, but these are still legally enforceable, you know, red curbed things that we need to deal with. Um, you tell us when and we'll start ticketing people. So what we did was we gave them all warnings. And then on Father's Day, it had nothing to do with Father's Day, but the police went through and ticketed now, we've been speaking about it in all of our announcements. We've been running things in the bulletin, and we have television screens and the narthex and stuff like that that just run these ads, and it says don't park in the no parking zone, right? So people parked in the no parking zone. People parked on top of a curb, right? So they all got ticketed. What do you think they did? They immediately called our church and demanding our church to pay them back. Oh, jeez. And my and, – and, uh, one of the responses that I was talking about, they said, what, what would you say? And I would say, you broke the law. It is our patience that has enabled you to go this whole time without breaking the law. If you park anywhere in the red zone, you get ticketed. You broke the law. Now, here's the deal. This is my thing. Entering the country illegally is law-breaking, ipso facto. You can't have a law about the border and then say we're not going to enforce that law because we're liberal Barack Obama progressives. Number one, Barack Obama did enforce it. But the rhetoric surrounding Obama was I'm not going to enforce it, just all you beautiful people come in, which is not true. He deported more people than Bush ever did or Clinton. Um, but at the same time, right, so you have this law. At the same time, it can be bad law. And that's the problem I think we have right now with immigration. There is a law. That's, that's weirdly enforced. There are policies that can be changed by the departments that do the administration, whether you're talking about immigration, ICE, or um, Homeland Security or something like that. They can change their policies independent of the president, but the president can also dictate down what he wants and sets the tone and whatnot, right? And he can cause stricter policies or whatever. And you have bad law. So breaking bad laws is less bad than breaking good, strong laws, but worse still is not enforcing the law. 
You should not have a bad law in the books and then not enforce it. You should be courageous and change the law to something better. So I would say the immigration laws are in desperate need of reform, absolutely in need of reform. We need better work visas for people to come in and do work and then leave and not dominate them. If they have better work visas and more work visas, you know, about 2 million work visas, if we could give that out, you would have money via taxation staying in our country. So it's not hurting the country. It's not like they're taking their wealth and leaving. But at the same time, you have these issues with we're not – now you have that reaction against the injustice. And so they're going too far by breaking parents and children, um, you know, children then becoming victims of abuse of a legal apparatus and all this stuff. I think it's crazy. I, think it's, I, th- I don't think there is any easy way out. And I think every, almost everyone is taking the easy way out by screaming and yelling at either Trump or Obama or whoever. And they're not, no, one's, no one cares about the truth anymore. We're just looking at a, a photograph uh, or, or audio. She, this one woman said, children do cry for about 24 hours or 12 hours when they first arrive. She said, and then they don't cry anymore. You know why? Because they have a much better life. Day two, she said they're not crying. So, it, and this is why they're it, still in the, 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 the facilities when they're not even transferred to the shelter. She said day two in that shelter is better than anything they had back in their home country. For the most part, not everyone, for the most part. But then what about the whole thing of like splitting up, up the families, though, just as a scare, as a scare tactic? Yeah. Now, if, the, if that is happening now, it's but here's the deal. Adults can be arrested for illegally entering the country. This is the thing that people don't understand. If an adult crosses the border, you can more or less prove that it was an illegal border crossing, and that's a misdemeanor, which means it goes to court. So you arrest the adult, and you put him in jail. What do you do with the kid? Do you put a kid in the jail with the adult? But should they be – like, but don't they have a right to flee, though, if they're, if, if they're for, like, um, a humanitarian reasons, if that's why they – are coming here so if they break an unjust law does a country not have the right to defend its own borders and provide security especially for the people who live along those borders and by people i mean the whole state of texas the whole state of new mexico all of arizona southern california no of course but like just because you want to protect the borders doesn't mean that you block like right 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 i don't i agree but I don't think it's that, that black or white, though. No, no, no. Neither do I. Neither do I. But what I'm saying is you can't just say, okay, so they're fleeing their country's bad economic situation to come to our country. Okay. You can say that, and then you say, okay, then what do you do? And that's the point where the law and, and the person meet. Because then what you need to do is you need to say, okay, I'm not gonna, I don't want to separate the family. I don't want to separate the family because I believe in the, the basic society of the family and we ought to affirm and keep parents and children together but the parents committed a crime and we already have i don't know if you know this but there are quotas about people immigrating in the united states do you know that Mm -hmm. so different countries have different quotas so what happens when a country has exceeded their quota by a factor of 10 or 20 or 30 so it's not that 10,000 Mexicans are entering the United States. It's that 100,000 are entering the United States. And you don't have a place to just, you don't have a place to put them. How do you integrate them into society? 100,000. Well, what about a million? Well, what about 40 million or 20 or whatever? 20 million, 12 million. You know, like once you, before it scales, you can deal with the problem. Yeah. Oh, give us your tired you're poor, you're hungry. Now, I am all in favor of making the borders more open. I'm in favor of more work visas. I'm in favor of paths to citizenship for people who are in this country illegally, mostly because I didn't know that your first offense is a misdemeanor, your second is a felony. So a lot of people, they, they get an illegal border crossing misdemeanor. And are and then, but here's the deal, like what you said, then they, they're, they're allowed to state their case. And people don't realize this. When they get arrested, they're now put into the system. They can then state their case why they should be accepted. Humanitarian reasons, economic reasons, um, political asylum. Like there's a bunch of yeah. things that – I mean that's already that already exists. But the problem is it exists for a limited number of people and a limited number of time. 
and there are not enough U.S. government workers on this, and there's not enough humanitarian aid, and then you add the cartels, and everything changes. When you add the cartels, they will exploit every ounce of immigration law and reform you do to take advantage of it to bring more drugs and, and sex workers and forced labor into the country. I, I still just don't think that means that then you have like a right uh, to separate the kids from their family. I know, but like, where I, do you I, put them? No, I don't know. I don't know. I, listen, I do not know. I do, I do not know. Like, I have no idea. I mean, like, clearly, um, J.D. Flynn wrote a great article about all this yeah, for, the, a- for the Catholic News Agency. Yeah. Um, and so, but that's the thing that I kind of keep coming back to is I, I see us really starting to fail on two parts of this. One is the whole notion of, okay, there are, there are like, there are these laws here and we don't have, okay, so if we don't have uh, the means to quickly determine if the kids with their parents, if, if they're there, if that actually is their family, and they're not, you know, and it's not a part of a cartel, and it's not a part of a. I just don't. I, I don't think that the you, you jump straight to split them up. I, I I just that cannot be. That can't be an option. I I, I just don't see how, like I, I I understand like all the stuff that you talk about like like why they're there and all and all of that stuff, but I just think that being the go to option, um, that's just not right. Yeah. You know, I I just like. And then, so I don't, so I don't, I don't know, like, perhaps we stop spending like way, like, I don't know why the hell we have, we're spending so much on like military and not on, on like this stuff. Rand Paul, like, Rand Paul truly. was on a uh, Senator from Kentucky, Rand Paul, who's a libertarian Republican was on Colbert. And today I watched his extended online interview. It's about 17 minutes. And I think on the show, it's only about six minutes. And he talked about a lot of this, and, and, uh, but it wasn't only about this. He kind of went on to the Russian probe stuff at the end. But um, the, uh, one of the things that they talked about was uh, if we can get more work visas and a path to citizenship, you've removed some of the barrier for these families being broken up, right? Because if the father can apply for, and it's almost always the father who's there looking for work when it comes to a whole family. Um, when it's, when it's a mom with a child, right, they're all looking for work. Right. But typically when a family comes intact, the father is the one who has moved their family in order to find a better life. Now they can, through being arrested and put into the system, they can do that. They can appeal for it. And there is, family there is some family um things like i know casa juan diego here in houston if people come saying this is the address and phone number immigration half the time immigration doesn't care they're like yeah sure go to houston and do the juan diego thing great um but at the same time uh the issues i mean i i I totally agree with you we should never separate families ever to the best of our ability we should never separate families um but the problem is if someone gets arrested, then you have to do something with the kid. The other thing that people don't know is that people are getting separated at the border, not by U.S. security forces. Right? So literally the parents will go one way and the kids will go another. And that's it. And you'll never see the parent again. But why? Um, They're abandoning I'm, their children. They're giving their children over to a better life. Um, they are selling their children. These are their own children and they're selling them. Right. Like mm-hmm. the, the thing is the, a lot of the children that come over here are, are totally innocent, but a lot of the adults are either a part of something that they feel forced into like working with a coyote. So this, they were telling me that a coyote will get paid around 300 to $3,000 per person trafficked, right? Per person, not trafficked, but um, smuggled across the border per person. And she said one coyote could bring 30 to 300 a day. Hmm. Now, where's the economic incentive for this guy? I mean, you're talking, if you were to have men who could come across the border and work for six months and leave, done. You've wiped out the whole coyote thing. You've wiped out the violent cartels who are making the coyote money. You, you've you've wiped you've done away with all of that. You've done away with all of that. But are you going to tell Americans who are fighting for jobs, 
hey, guess what? We're going to give the majority of those jobs, not majority, but we're going to give a bunch of the low-paying, hard-working jobs to immigrant labor. It's hard to sell that to a country in the – sell that to a Rust Belt voter, <laughs> you know, like who already, ha, who already has a little bit of xenophobia, right? Like, hey, guess what? We're going to give more visas and green cards to immigrants coming over so that they can work here, but just seasonally. It's like, oh, so they're going to take the only job in town from me? Thanks. That's what, that's what they say, and that's what Trump, Trump used that rhetoric. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring the jobs back to America. Why? Because Mexico took the jobs. But also, Mexicans are taking U.S. jobs, right? Like, that's the implicit thing that Trump didn't really, I don't think he said. No, I, and I, I agree. So then Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz said, we need to build family shelters. To which the woman from, uh, I don't know if she's from Health and Human Services, but this woman said, great. Start building them. Where are you getting the money? I mean, the, the Republicans have already blown past their budget. Where are you getting the money? for these magical places where men and women can stay with their uh, um, young children. Where is this? Are they going to live in homes? Or are they going to live in dorms? Are they going to live in apartments? Where are they going to live? Go build these magical things that you have the mo- no money for. She's like, she said to me, I would love it if families could stay intact. She said, but I don't know how when the parents are in jail or when the mom is a drug user. She said, but- yeah, go. But if, but if, like, we shouldn't be sending them to jail in the first place. But they entered, they broke the law when they entered the country. And I, I know, putting them in jail starts their, or getting them on the books starts their immigration procedure in a legal way. So a lot of the people who are not deported begin their case to stay in the country through that system. And their first thing is a misdemeanor. They broke the law. So then we but, say mm-hmm. we change the law. But what is the law going to be? I think, I mean. Uh. See, that, this is the problem. This is the problem where people scream and yell at each other. And then right when it gets difficult, we, we back off. And we say, well, listen, it's not my job well, no, no. to come up with the I'm law. I'm not backing off at all. No, no, no. no I'm, I'm not I'm, saying I'm, you are. I'm, I'm saying. I'm, just, I'm pausing the thing. I know. I'm saying all these people who yell on social media or whatever is they go right up to right where it gets the most interesting and the most difficult. And there are really good stuff. We need to secure our border. Right. And when I say secure a border, I'm not a crazy fanatic about this. We need to have more immigration. We need to do all this. We're a country of immigrants. There's a one time when Ben Franklin was terrified that America was going to become German. So, okay. So <laughs> why do you think like in like in like 20 seconds, why do we need a secure border? Uh, well, number one, the cartels and the Mexican black hand mafia are some of the worst gangs that have ever happened tucson arizona all these places that are on the border are getting overrun by they're not street gangs they are international corporations of violence okay Mm -hmm. and they are operating in a dozen countries and they are flooding the they're going for u.s cash they want to drain us of money Mm -hmm. that's why they're coming here right so no country for old men was about this border town sheriff who is being hunted basically by this crazy you know, assassin, and it's it's he's like everything's changed. Everything has changed. He has no, there's no yeah. country for me anymore. The whole point of that movie was to show the cartels are a totally different monster. So you have to police. Uh, that's not the that's not the point of a, of any Coen Brothers movie. On, on yeah, the no, 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 no. Well, well done. Go on. It's something about the Book of Job. But the <laughs> <laughs> <You're> probably right. <laughs> but the notion is okay. Number one, you have massive amount of crime happening. Massive that we don't even know about. Like I, I was talking to with my church has tons of immigrants, right? At my church. And I talk with these people and they say, it is no big deal in the part of Mexico city where I live, or excuse me, the part of Tijuana where I live. It was a Tijuana or Juarez. Shit. Now I'm going to be an ignorant idiot to drive down the street by the highway and see 10 or 12 bodies naked hanging from the highway. So she's saying, like, daily, this is a thing, okay? Their, their parish priest was murdered. He was set on fire in the church because he spoke out against some teenage boy who joined the cartel. They set him on fire and burned him to death in the church. So this is something that, we've, that we really don't know about but is massive, okay? 
That's number one. Number two, like every board, every country is defined by its borders. Canada has a secure border. It's a joke, but it's still a secure border. They take your passport. These things matter because you want to know who's coming into your country, right? The United States is currently fighting like 57 wars. If someone is entering our country who's a hostile, we have the right to know who is entering our borders. No one has a right to enter another country, but here's the deal. We have a duty to love our neighbor, and that includes the immigrant. I mean, you cannot, I mean, there are so many passages in the Old Testament that talk about the immigrant, the alien, right, in your midst, the alien in mm-hmm. your midst, that you better basically treat him like a brother, the alien in your midst, right? So, okay, so I would agree with that. Like, I would agree with that, the idea of, like, a secure, like, there's been some people who are just like, it's just like an imaginary online, it doesn't, um, it doesn't like mean anything, and I'm like, mm, that's not really true. But anyways, um, so, yeah, I, but... The, the, where I'm, um, people have a right to come here for humanitarian reasons, and if doing so they break a law, that law has to be adjusted. So I, I, now I, I don't know enough about the like legal system to like be able to get into specifics here. Okay, so keep that in mind. Perhaps it's a misdemeanor, but you don't take the, you know, there's got to be something where these kids cannot be split up from their families. Like that, it's, I, I just, that's just, that we can't, that cannot be happening. So I think there needs to be, from what I understand during just like this conversation and other stuff that like I have read and whatnot, way more money going into this stuff, way more. Now that obviously has to like, Come from something. That's fine. Find it. Cut something. Cut something. Cut something. I'm, I'm sure there's stuff up there that we can cut. I'm talking to you like military. Where we can have things, you know. Like, I'm sure it's out there. Um, get, rid of, get rid of NASA. It sucks. I would hate to see it happen. But, like, just gut the whole fucking thing. We don't, this is way more important than, like, what's on Mars. Okay, like this is way, way more important. You say that while I'm playing Call of Duty Infinity War and I'm literally walking on the surface <laughs> of Mars. <laughs> no, and I'm, this is not like Luke hates science. This is just on the list of priorities. Hey, Luke, real quick, why do you over hate Mars. science? Why do you hate science? <laughs> I just put, so I'm just saying like this is, you know, like, sorry, everyone. It's done. Let's just, we can worry. There, there are way bigger things to, to worry about right now. Like, I don't know, uh, stuff we spend on the military, like whatever. Find it. Find it. Like close down some bases. I don't give a shit. Like uh, find that money. Let me just give you. Let me just give you two things that we can cut right off the bat. Okay, Navy. Okay, you got twenty five seconds. Navy warships, because the U.S. Navy okay. has asked us to stop building warships that they cannot okay. cannot do. And then uh, UNES uh, nuclear program. We have twenty seven thousand twenty seven hundred nukes, and uh, we do not need twenty seven hundred nukes to keep America safe. We need about three hundred. That was an assessment of the U.S. Air Force Strategic Air Command. And they're like, we can get rid of all these other ones and just use 300 and we'd be totally safe as a deterrent. There we go. Bam. We're good. We just, we just like found Ted. We just found Ted, Ted Cruz's money. Somehow the law has to be rewritten to respect their right to come here for humanitarian, humanitarian reasons and, a do, and, and with, with due process and all of that stuff. And you're not splitting up the families if they break that law. Yeah. So either you write a bylaw, you change it from a like misdemeanor to I don't know a ticket, or you know like something <laughs> a, a, like a small fine that they have to pay where they're on the books and it gets the thing started, but it's not a misdemeanor to where their kids are where they have to be thrown in jail. Now I understand that is way easier said than done because you way, have uh, to find out if the person they're with one is their parent, two I know, I, yeah. is even if they're their parent. Are they still setting them up for sex trafficking? And no, let's uh, say, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm just saying, let's say it's not their parent. What are you doing with that kid? Well, that kid's got, what, 42, 24 hours in the United States uh, I- I- interacting with border control. What do you do with them at that point? You, if, if you had a mandatory background check and detainment and all that stuff, you could figure crap out. But if you don't separate them, then how do you know? Because the, I don't know, how, the girls, how do you keep people? How can you keep them there? 
So how can you keep the people there in a way that respects their their their, their um, human yeah. dignity and doesn't give them free reign to really and and prevents people from being able to basically like leave without being cleared. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and I, and I, that's, that is super hard, but like, we have to, like, we have to, yeah. we have to, there is no, like, there is no other option. We have to, we like, I'm so fucking sick and I'm so disgusted by so much of this of like, I'm so sick of like Jeff Sessions, the, the thing I'm, I'm so sickened by like, our culture right now yeah. and how people have responded. I am so disgusted with so many people about so many different things yeah. that I'm, I'm like, for the love of human decency, like for the, like of just like, we have to like get rid of professional sports. If the, I like, I like what are like, besides the U S all hundred. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well they're up there. They're a joke. Anyways, like tax us all a hundred extra dollars. I will gladly pay that. I will tax us. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. Tax us all an extra $100. Don't fucking tell me there's not one person here who could not afford that, who have listened to our podcast. $100 one time. Like, my dogs are barking. I don't know why. Um, like, I'm good with that. If that means that we're going like, to do this in a way that is respectful of the dignity of the human person and the rights that are owed to them because that, I'm good with that. Like, like add an extra, you know, like two cent tax to my beer for the next three years, whatever, you know, like, like something right now. Like, am I crazy or am I just tired? And no, you're not crazy, but the problem is, okay. Number one, I I hope that people got more information. So I was, I've been on the phone literally since I got home from work because I wanted to have these conversations with actual humans who've actually dealt with this stuff and not. Well, I read this article in the New York Times, or I saw Tucker talk about this and blah, blah, blah. I wanted to see this stuff for myself because I think I have been saying for years we need immigration reform. Ever since I met a woman who speaks with the most southern drawl ever, and she was an illegal. She was a really good friend of mine. She was illegally in this country through no fault of her own. It took the U.S. government too many years, as in over a decade, to bring her, her, fam, her and her family in, that she was six months past the deadline of being able to be brought into the country legally through her family, through her parents. She had one older brother. He knew he would be too old, so he did his own thing. He got his case before his parents did. She ended up being stuck in this country illegally. When she actually got in front of a judge to get a case number from immigration so that she wouldn't get deported if she ever got arrested or something, you know what happened? The judge asked her one question, and she responded like, uh, yes, your honor. And the judge started laughing and said, case dismissed. Give, give this person her number. Because this person, <laughs> if she would be sent back to Colombia, she would have no idea what to do with herself. She's been mm -hmm. in the United States since she was like two. And so there are these things where you're just like, oh, God, this is gross. Like, what the hell are we doing? And so I agree. I mean, we need comprehensive immigration reform. And we don't need a president who says um, that he's just going to ban people from entering from these seven countries because they're Muslims with, you know, Sunni Muslims with hostile intent or whatever. There might be people that you, we have the right to ban anyone we want from entering our country because it's our country, right? You have the right to do that as people of a country. But the idea is as individual moral citizens who should give a shit about other people around them, especially their neighbor to the South, right? We need to give an actual crap about those people. Um, we should have, we should do what the statue of freaking Liberty says, give us your tired, your poor, your whatever, your teeming masses, right? That is a beautiful dream of America, a nation of immigrants because we killed all the natives, a nation of immigrants who are seeking a better life. I'm all for that. I'm all for radically altering who we are uh, or what we are, what we say about ourselves in immigration, radically altering it through reform. Because you're right. This can't stand because it's unjust. It's fundamentally unjust. But you want to know something crazy? We live in a democracy. And in that democracy, there literally are people who are like, yeah, you know what? You're going to come into this country illegally. I want to break you up with your kids because you're a bum anyway. I mean, there are literally people who think that. Yeah, and those people need to go to, need to go to confession. 
<laughs> I don't believe in your papism. <laughs> that probably would be their next response. <laughs> oh, man. Luke, you know what just happened? We had an hour-long conversation, and I still haven't talked about prison. We did? Yeah. We did. My dad came. It was so See, awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> Here, you can go on for about 20 minutes about that. I'm going to go and grab some water really, really quick. No, I'll wait for you. <laughs>